way that we do things. This is where we go. This is what we shouldn't do. But we've compromised. We're not the same. Well, we've, we've become wiser. We've become friendlier. We've become a lot of things, but we sure have become God's kids. We haven't risen to the place that we share the gospel because we don't even know what the gospel is. And if you think the gospel is simply be getting saved, you've missed it because it's so much more than that. What scares me as a church is wordless, faithless, visionless, and it comes down to heartless. I'm here to tell you. We need to praise the name of the Lord our God. Great things he has done. And he's not finished. The weapons of our warfare, what? Not carnal, but mighty in God. Right now, I just, I, I just, I just, I, mm-hmm. I want to yell, I want to shout, I want to jump, I want to run, I want to proclaim, I want to affirm, I want to say a lot of different things, but I can say to you right now, God is still on the throne. And whether we acknowledge that, whether we walk in that, whether we embrace that or not, doesn't change who he is. Doesn't change terminology that I was looking at saying even this morning was the reality that we have been kidnapped. We have been limited. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Limited. We have had our inheritance stolen. The world has taken things away. They've taken the border stakes and moved them so they can have more territory. You don't believe me? Look at the church today. Well, the church isn't just a building on Sunday, you know. Oh, I know, but it is the thermometer of where the church really is. When we say it's okay, I don't need this, I don't need to come together, I don't need to be a part of, I don't need to connect, I don't need to serve, I don't need to grow, I, I can just, you know, I love God and God loves me, I don't really need the church to do this and that and everything else and be a Christian. Friend, I'm not arguing your relationship with Christ, okay? First of all, I'm not the judge, but I'm going to tell you, square up. You won't like me for it, but I can tell you what you worship. I can tell you who your God is by where your priorities are at. And there's a lot of things I can come down on right now, but my heart is breaking because the church has been reduced to a God of concept. And the problem with the God of concept is it's man-made. And when it's man-made, it's created in what man wants it to be. 
so God has been created in what we think God should be, what God should do, how God should act, and when things don't go right and things don't go the way they should, what happens? We get upset at God because God didn't do for me what I needed him. It's not about us. It's about him. It always has been. We, he created us. We don't create him. And the reason we don't go there is a trust issue. It's a trust issue, but that's, friend, my heart breaks because when we walk around with a concept, we've already justified. We've justified things place that we can live with we don't follow God we don't go after God we don't obey God because we don't know how because we've never got into his word we don't know what he even asks of us we wait for the church to tell us and then we think oh I don't know if I like that because God has never moved on your heart to go in that direction and as a result of God not moving on your heart to go in that direction your, your natural your natural character, flesh, nature, whatever you want to call it, it fights against that. I mean, that's the way we've always been. That's the way humans are. You don't believe me? You know, you were a kid once when your parents asked you to, you know, and the reaction was, oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yes, I'll do those chores. Yes, I'll go ahead and do that stuff over there. I'll, I, no, it wasn't. We do what they do today. We did what they do today, and that is stand up against. It's, it's part of development. I understand that. But that's not the issue here. The issue is we don't respond because we don't know how. And the reason we don't know how, you're going to not like this, but I'm going to say it anyways, is we don't know what it means to be led by the Spirit. everlasting to everlasting. The Lord our God. The Lord our God. You know what, Kim? Do me a favor. Throw me up verse. Go ahead to the PowerPoint. Throw me up chapter 2, verse 18 there. Through him, Paul's saying, I and you guys, Ephesians, matter of fact, Ephesians is not a book or an epistle that's written just to the Ephesians. It was a blank title. He wrote it at the same time he wrote Philemon and Colossians. And so when he writes Ephesians, it's a broad open so that whatever church it goes to, you put your name in there because that's the kind of teaching he gives here. Ephesians will be the one church that hangs on to it. So Ephesians is what was stuck in there, but it's as apical of Ephesians as it is the Galatia, as the Philemon, whatever. It says, for through him, we, Paul and, and, and those guys, or us, 
we both have access by one spirit we have access by one spirit to the father okay now watch what he says here go, go ahead on verse 19 now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the house of God having been built up on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom oh, the, the whole building being together grows into a holy you are more than just yourself is 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 being is being built together for a somebody somebody read that out loud for me being fitted to get being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit you're not being built for a dwelling place of misery you're not being built for a dwelling place of agony, gloom, despair. You're not being built a dwelling place for guilt. You made mistakes. Okay, get your eyes off yourself and realize that in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It can't be accomplished any other way than how. <laughs> Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a what? Holy temple. A holy House, the word is actually said. Go ahead and take me to chapter 3. Notice this. He goes and says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. And what's the next word? It's not a word. It's a dash. Hyphen. You know why it's there? he squirreled he gets ready to say one thing and says oh by the way did you know oh by the way did you know and and, and listen he says if indeed that, that's where he's going I, I, did, I didn't put in the rest of the verse because there's no sense in it that's not but he will go on for a number of different number of verses until he gets down to verse 14 where the idea changes and he comes back to this go ahead and put that one up for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead on. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the, come on somebody, inner man. He just got done telling you that you are being built up a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Now he's going on with that thought and he's saying that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the 
inner man, comma, that Christ may dwell where? In your hearts through faith, semicolon, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he takes this big sigh. <sighs> and he says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works where? Power that works where? Power that works where? Mm, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. been created to be a dwelling place. <laughs> I don't even remember what's in my notes right now. Would you take her my stool so she can pluck and play at the same time? No, don't worry about the hands. God will, God will touch that. Yeah, keep plucking, my dear. I like that. Send me the next slide. Give me the next slide up here. I, I want to, we live in a day where our boundaries of our inheritance in Christ have been moved. It was one of the biggest sins in Israel. When God gave them that land in Canaan, they were given properties, each family. And it was theirs to hand down from generation to generation to generation. And you went out and you put your spike in your boundaries where you had been allocated, allotted your property by Joshua. And one of the worst sins that could happen was your neighbor coming up and moving that stake back because they wanted more land. Your inheritance just got what? Limited. <laughs> Shrunken. Now, now, now watch this. Go, go ahead to the next part. Our inheritance is so large, so vast, and it has been squeezed down into something that has no relationship of life today. I want you to grab hold of this because the truth is, unfortunately, that's where so much has taken place. It, it, the world, our everything has, our, our boundaries have been remarked. They have been stolen. We have been limited. And I'm talking about in this world today. It doesn't take much to look around and see what's trying to come down. We'll go ahead to the next one. I said this one yet today, have we? You are being built together to actually be a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I really trust that this doesn't just get in your head, but your spirits. I have been built 
and am being built. We are being built together to actually be a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The scary thing is, how many believers look at that and see no value in that? doesn't really mean anything to them. It's nice. reached a point of deadness where their property stakes have been moved. There is a limited ability to worship and praise. And instead their property has become a land of bitterness and strife and backbiting and just a, a concept. Next one. that God loves you? God created you to love you? Do you realize that love has one purpose and that purpose is to seek union? Why do you get married? Because her daddy stood there with a shotgun and said, I had to. Oh, that's not what you, I'm not saying her dad didn't have that idea, but my father-in-law, he actually offered me money to go elope. And when I said, okay, I'll take it, he changed his mind. Love always seeks union. So when I say God loves you, that's who he is. Do you know what he's after? Union. Oneness. The dwelling of God. The dwelling of God. The actual dwelling of God. Union with God. One with God. You'll never realize that if all you've got is a concept of be okay. We'll have a healing line at the end. Next one. The purpose of the Father from the beginning was to create you and to bring us into actual union with himself. Boy, this just messes me up. Messes me up. He is the unbeginning we are the not beginning. He is the unbeginning. He has always been, ever will. And, and we're the not. We're the creative. He's the creator. Yet at the same time, the purpose of the Father from the beginning was to create you and to bring us into actual union with him. Do you remember what happened in the garden? You know, I, I don't even have an idea what the slide is next. But, but show it to me anyways. Let me see. Ah, leave it right there. Hey, careful. Do, do you realize 
that when Adam fell, when Adam and Eve fell, that when God came into the garden, Adam was hiding behind a tree. Shaken. I was going to say like a leaf, but it was with a leaf, okay? <laughs> the anointing, my friend, that's what it is. This is the anointing. Because he feared a God of judgment. He feared, an, he feared an angry God. I've done something wrong now, God. No, God wasn't angry with Adam and Eve. Who was he angry with? Exactly. I mean, he almost felt sorry for Adam and Eve. But when it came to the serpent, when it came to the enemy, he said, cursed are you. And then what God did, and I keep thinking of when he sent his son, Jesus. God actually got behind the tree and looked through the eyes of Adam. When Jesus came, he didn't come as Adam. He came as man. He did not come as man was intended to be, so to speak. He came as us. He came as us. I want you to remember when you stop to think about union, that love is always seeking, that there wasn't a moment when he stopped loving this world. And he still does. <coughs> he still loves. And as a result, seeks union with us. I'm going somewhere. I want, I want, I want, I want to get to this. In other words, God refused to be God without you. That's why he sends his son, Jesus Christ. Man, I have seen some weird theologies on this. I have seen, I've read, I've listened to explanations about Christ and, and about him being a son that he was able to do what he did because he was God and uh, you know and I'm like no if he's healing and, 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 and doing all these miracles because he's God then he's not being fully man does that make sense I don't have time to go into all this explanation but enough to say Jesus was able to do what he did because A, he was without sin, so B, he was able to pull on the promises of the covenant that God had made with Israel. Go back to Deuteronomy 22 and start reading all this stuff. He was able to call in, able to bring into existence able to speak forth, able to rebuke, able to cast out, not because he was God, because he was man without sin, who was able to pull on the promises that God had made. If he, if he, if he had done otherwise, he would have been pretending to be man when he was truly God. And yes, he was truly God, born of the Father. And there's another one, boy. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. One God. 
I've heard it explained that there's there's nine, or there's there's three and, and nine, and it's like oh, weird weird stuff. I was uh, there's one God, three persons, absolutely, three people. Oh, that don't make sense to me. Of course it doesn't make sense to you because we don't stop to consider the reality. That's who we are. Matter of fact, I got one more in me than when I started out. I, I'm a father. I am a son. I'm a husband. In fact, I'm going to add to that now. I'm going to go beyond scripture. I am a fat Paul. Just don't make me a great grandpa yet, okay? All I'm saying is this. God is God, and there are natures within God, and God gives of himself in his son, Jesus Christ. Why did he do that? Because Father sends him on a mission. Let's, let's go on. He came where I am came into us as we are this side of the fall. Okay? I'm giving you these words here. Go to the next one. I'm going to explain something. Jesus came and he danced Adam's dance backwards. I love that quote. I love that quote. Here's Adam. And he does the moon dance. Right? He's going backwards. I can't do the moon dance. Don't ask me. But, 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 but Jesus came and he danced with me, not backwards. Go ahead and give me the next one. I'm going to get so in trouble with this one, but that's okay. First of all, see, I've got so much in me, I want to give it all at one time, but I'm being careful how I do this. Jesus spoke these words that we've sold out to the funeral homes. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. We are talking John 14, John 15 here. Do me a favor and read the whole chapters. And all of a sudden you're going to see something that's a little bit different coming off of what Peter had to say. Do you understand that in my father's house are many abiding places. That's what the word means. Abiding. <laughs> and in that abiding, what takes place is the father's heart. What does Jesus go on to say? That where I am, you may be also, correct? In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. What's he about to do? He's about to die and rise again. And what's going to happen because of that? I go to prepare a place for you. And the way you know, and the place you know. 
He said, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? He's going, when you die, you're going to have big old man. I don't have any problem embracing that thought, by the way. So don't, don't, don't go there with me. But I don't think that's what was happening when they were there in, in, in with Jesus. And, oh, you mean, Jesus, we're going to have a mansion someday on, on streets of gold and all that fun stuff? That's not what he was saying, was it? There are many dwelling places. You are in the middle of the Father and of the Son. Your dwelling place is in Him as His dwelling place is in you. You are one in Him. You know, He would give this, this understanding. He'd he talk about lost, right? Lost sheep, lost coin. Lost son, well, I'll throw that out there and you're like, don't know the answer to that. You don't come to church to get a pop quiz, do you? Well, that's going to change in a hurry. He talks about lost, and we don't even know what lost really is. We use it in so many formative ways. Back when Kathy and I pastored many, many years ago in East Liverpool, big flood hit our area. And when I came down, it was, when's your house going to flood? On a Sunday morning, that's when it's going to flood. I walked down, because we lived in a bylaw, but I walked down to the family room and the big bedroom there and all that other stuff down there. And there's four feet of water, four foot. That, that, in case you don't understand that, that's almost as big as me. forget Kathy and I sitting on the edge of that step watching our entire life go by. All of the pictures, all of the films, the wedding dress, books, paraphernalia floating by. We lost I can't begin to explain emotionally what that does. And for somebody who's never experienced it, you don't really understand it. It comes down to the understanding of this word lost that he uses. Jesus tells the parable about <coughs> Excuse me. The shepherd and the lost sheep. And how he goes after the lost sheep, correct? I, I hope you get the reality that you are worth so much that God would send his one and only hope you get that. But the sheep had gotten lost in where? The wilderness? You guys know the story, right? Okay, then you know, a nod now and then will help, otherwise we'll just have to keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. 
In the wilderness, there are cliffs, there are rocks, there are dangers. There are predators. And that sheep would have, could have died. It would die. And so, see if you can grab this. The shepherd enters into the wilderness of the sheep. Enters into the dangers, enters into the same cliffs, enters into the same area of predators. He enters in and he walks in the hoofprints of that sheep. Jesus came and entered into our wilderness, your wilderness, with all the dangers, with all the places, with all the situations, with all the circumstances. Jesus enters into your wilderness, into your danger zone, into your problem zone, into your fallenness. He walks in those hoof prints. And when he comes to the sheep, what does he do? What's the next slide out of curiosity? Go to the next one. destiny of the shepherd will become and had become when he comes to the sheep has now become the destiny of the sheep the shepherd what does the shepherd do when he reaches the sheep you dumb thing get back home starts taking the, 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 the hook his staff and boom Move it, you crazy animal, you. He doesn't try to give it directions. You should go here, and then when you get to there, you should turn this, and you shouldn't be doing that. You should prioritize your life a lot better. You should go after that. You should be handling it. No. Does of course. It's, what does he do? He picks it up, and he puts it on his shoulder. Have you ever tried to pick up a lamb or a sheep before? They're heavy. And they, yeah, they are nasty. They are skittish as all get out. They will wiggle and squirm and kick and everything else. Do you realize what the shepherd's doing? The shepherd is entering into oneness with the sheep. And so the Shepherd is going to trace his steps. Remember, the sheep doesn't know where he's at, but the shepherd does. The sheep don't know where he's going, but the shepherd does. And so he begins to walk out, and he begins to go through all those cliffs, all those dangers, through passing through the predators, and all that other stuff that has been happening in that wilderness. In oneness, he has gotten under him. He has joined himself to him. 
Is this ringing any bells yet? And he walks out. And as he walks, the destiny of the shepherd has become the destiny of the sheep. Can I get up? No, it's okay. Next slide. Jesus didn't die for you. He died at you. We've said it a lot, but I hope it makes a little more sense now. Jesus didn't die for you. He died at you. His destiny becomes your destiny. You became. Next slide. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's amazing. That's that's a shout. How does a sheep repent? Have you ever seen a sheep repent before? I am so sorry. Well, it gets worse. It doesn't get better. I'm sorry. There's only one way the sheep could have repented. There's only one way that we could. To accept our acceptance. To accept to accept our acceptance. To accept Him who is. <laughs> Do you know that you're accepted by God? I don't care whether you're found or lost. You're accepted by Him. And when you're out there on your own, He's come and stepped in where all you've been stepping in and picks you up and becomes one with you. this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <laughs> now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Last word. I was, I was going for all men, but amen will do. Got another slide there. where I have trouble with this. Please don't go out of here and think to yourself, okay, okay, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I don't believe in that kind of thing. What would Jesus do? Because then it's all about me doing something. It's, it's not about me. It's about him. And, and when I come back to this, and I, I, want, I want to underscore this. This is not about what would Jesus do. This is about what Jesus is doing. That's a whole different ball game. And so I say to you this morning, friend, when we hit this spot of concept, we become virtually dead in our relationship with God. I'm not saying you don't believe in him. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying, beyond a shadow of a doubt, exactly what Paul has been saying. I'm challenging you by the leading of the Holy Spirit to say, guess what? Your property borders have been shrunk. You have been limited. You have allowed yourself to be in a place of mental ascension. And that's been it. Oh, I get so excited when I think about this. Here come the shepherd. Do, 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 right? Got this big old sheep. He like, oh. what does he do when he gets back with it? He tosses it in with the other sheep, right? Okay, good. Same thing that the lady with the lost coin did. Have a party. Look at there. I got him. I found him. I brought him home. This is, and so there's a rejoicing there. He's going, I did it, I did it. Yeah. No man can come to the Father except by me. Think about this for a second. You can't go there. We already looked at the verse. You can't go there. So Jesus comes here. And, 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 and he walks in our wilderness and, and what have you. And as a result, that's his mission. His mission. Understand his mission. 
And, and, and so th this is what the gospel is really all about. And, and so what does he do? He picks us up and he puts us on his shoulders, right? He puts us on his shoulders and he goes, Father, I did it. I did it. Mission accomplished. And what does Father do? Oh, thank you, son. Nice job. No, the Father gets off of the, off of his, and he comes running down to his son, and he hugs his son. He's hugging on his son, hugging, hugging, hugging. But do you realize that the sheep is on the shoulder? So not only is he hugging his son, he's hugging the sheep too. So the three are hugging together. The three are joined together. It's, 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 it's Christ in you. It's the, it's the Father's glory in you. And it's done through and by the Holy Spirit. So you're being hugged on by the Father, by the Son, and all the Holy Spirit. Because they're all hugging at one time. Understand that you are seated in heavenly places with him. He ain't by himself, he's sitting with daddy. Right? The spirit is, is moving, joining together. The, the, you know. Oh, that's a nice idea. Do you get this? And it blows my mind. That Jesus came on that mission and couldn't come back until he won. Until that mission was accomplished. And when it's accomplished, he doesn't die for you, but as you. So that when he rises from the dead, he doesn't rise as him, but as you. And as a result, when he ascends and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of mercy, uh, the right hand of the throne of glory, my mind's going ahead, not back. You have been seated with him in heavenly places. You and him, him and you. You were in the Father because God, Christ is in the Father. And so the Father is in Christ. And as a result, if Christ is in you, then you are in Christ. Then the Father is in you as, as, as Christ is in you. And you and the Father in Christ. And you're all one. Yes. Here I stand. Bless you anyways. Here I'm giving up the fumes. No, that hurts. Let her go. Here I stand. And as I stand here, I don't feel the Godhead dwelling in me. Because if I did, <laughs> you know what? You look outside those wires outside of your house that goes by unless you're summertime with a chainsaw. But anyways, you look at those wires in your house. You know what would happen if that 
electricity came straight from the substation into your house. We'd be toasted marshmallows, graham crackers, and chocolate. Now you get some of these and you go, oh, s'mores. And when you look out your window, you see some big thing sitting up on that telephone pole called a what? Ah, so it regulates. You see, here's my point. The Holy Spirit imparts the life of Christ to us. That's the function of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in, 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 in just to, to infuse, it imparts the life of Christ, the life of the Godhead. It, he imparts life. And understand this. So it's not a matter of my opinion. It's a matter of my knowledge. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child. Restore the boundaries. Push back where the enemy has pushed in. Lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble. Renew the hearts and open the eyes. Strengthen. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have been made one with the Lord. You have entered into my wilderness and you've taken me across that chasm into the presence of my God. This day, this day, this hour, this moment, I give you praise, honor, and glory. Lord, 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 I need wisdom. I need understanding. I just, it's so easy to sit back and say, well, I don't understand it, Lord. And yet at the same time, how much does it take for me to get up, search your word, and Ask your spirit to show me and take a look at things that are at my fingertips to learn you, to master you. Holy God, Lord of all, this day, move in our hearts. Challenge us in our choices. us to seek your face. Let us be led by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll come up at this time. I live.
yet not I. Say it with me. But Christ liveth in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. So the life I live in this flesh, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. What message do you get when you read through the epistles? Concerning life and lifestyle and what's going on. Where is it that, that, that Paul tries to sh point people, show people, explain to people? Where does he rebuke them on? What's he getting at? What's he saying? going on. There's more going on than what we see. The destiny of the shepherd is the destiny of the sheep. This morning, I know we haven't gone over the announcements. We haven't received the offering. And we've locked the doors until we do. But we'll leave the ushers at the back to receive. Be faithful, we ask. careful how I say this. Don't get robbed this morning of what God's been blessing you with because you walk by the door and say, nope, 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 nope. Because no's follow you. It's not about whether you give or don't give. It's about the obedience that we walk in said this morning if you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Christ I can tell you he's been stirring things in you he's been telling you things you really never really quite got before there's an understanding and you're not sure how to do this Walk. Your your concept is that Christians do this and they don't do that and they have to be this and they have to be there and they have to do all these. That's a concept. It's a tradition, whatever you want to call it, but it's a concept. No. This morning, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the only thing you need to do, seriously is to accept the acceptance that Christ loved you. He walked into your wilderness. He has picked you up on his shoulders. And he has brought you out. Will you with
accept his acceptance. That's all it takes. This morning, I'd like to open these altars and find a place of prayer, find a place of thanksgiving. This morning, I would like to open these altars so that borders are restored, so that limited becomes unlimited, and that today there is victory in the name of Jesus. I want to open these altars because whatever has been limiting you is not God's gift to you. God's gift to them was those properties appointed unto each one accordingly. And I'm here to tell you, your destiny is because of His destiny and His mission. And so this morning in this place, we've allowed this world to... And it's time to take it back. How do we take it back? How do we take it back? By no longer believing the lies and the untruths that have been told us for so long. I mean, they started this, you know, they, 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 they would say that the Holy Spirit wasn't for today. It was just for the apostles. So it ended 2,000 years ago. Well, you get rid of the Holy Spirit, we got a problem. We dead. It's a lot. Friend, there are so many things that have tried to limit, shut down, close off, hush up. Like pe preachers who, who, who preach too long on Sunday morning. Amen? I'm trying to bring about an awareness this morning that speaks to the ugliness of concept in our heads and limits our borders. I'll say it again. Jesus said, Jesus said, I have come. No, let's go back. Read further. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it how? How's that working for you? It's not, then maybe there's some limitedness that's going on. Well, let's get with God because we're one with Him. And it's time to take back what the enemy's stolen. Amen. If you're here this morning,